Look at Peter McKinnon. He's the, 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 the king of the, look at me, look at me, man. I'm an adult. I'm 53 years old. I don't have time to watch your oh, ex extravagant sponsor paid for content about photography when really his whole business model, he's a YouTuber that uses photography as his niche. And don't get it twisted. He is a YouTuber that uses photography as his medium. He is not a professional photographer. All right. Sweet. Yeah, that tone. If you have in your StreamYard, when you're having your guests log in, instead of headline, just say social. So then people, I don't know if you have the ability to change that on your end. Uh, yeah, I don't know either, but I'll check when we get off today for sure. I um I do all my I do all mine with I use Video Ninja, which is free. It's not quite as set up and all that as this one is, but because I'm so good with OBS and mm -hmm. virtual camera and all that stuff, like um and bringing in guests, like I just have different ways to bring in guests. And anyways, it's just uh, I do it a little bit differently. So every, um, I just try to find systems for everything. That's another thing that, um, a lot of people have been asking me about lately is I have, I've been creating systems for like systems for reaching out to clients, system for doing retouching systems for like all the most successful, all the most successful businesses in the world have systems in order to scale. That's why when you go to Starbucks, there's, you get the same ice latte from Starbucks where you can. Calgary as you do in Toronto as you do in China as you do wherever mm -hmm. same with McDonald's because they have these manuals of like systems that's how businesses scale photographers we have no systems we just mm. fucking do shit and unfortunately <laughs> that's why literally the, this is the fact the facts 100% of photographers who start photography only 16% of them make it 60% of them fail in the first year and then 25% of them quit in the second year. That is the ratio. So for me, who've been doing it for three decades, like people want to talk to me about that stuff and longevity and how I've been like known as a photographer for 25 years and still doing it and, and, and still trying to get like expand and be more and more and more known. Um, so yeah, like that kind of stuff for me, that's conversations that people want to listen to. People talk like as far as even helping you blow up your channel, I've been in YouTube University for <clears throat> two years. And you can see like you can see the effects of it even since we first started talking and what my subscriber base was and what my audience was and what it is now. Like it's 10x in mm. three months. So amazing. It's just because I know exactly what the people who want to watch me want. I know exactly what they need and I feed it to them every day and my shit's blowing up. So the interview portion of my channel is the least successful portion of my channel. It's the least successful. It's where I've interviewed Jamel Shabazz. <clears throat> I've interviewed the biggest photographers in the world. Thousand views. You know what I mean? Because Hearing other people's stories, hearing other people talk about their photography, people are fucking selfish. People don't give a fuck about other people's photography. 
They don't, they care about only about their own. Yes or yes. They care only about their own. Photographers are a selfish group of individuals. So if you want to serve an audience and blow your channel up, facilitate when you talk to these photographers, shift it from the work because every photographer has a dick swinging and it's like, I'm shooting with this lens and I got this and I got, it's like photographers are fucking idiots because they spend all their time thinking about the work, the work, the work and zero time thinking about the market needing that work, caring about that work or giving a shit about the way that you're doing it. No one cares about the market, what the market needs, what the market wants. They just jerk off and shoot pictures into the fucking universe. And guess what? Everybody has a fucking 4K iPhone in their pocket. No one gives a fuck about your photos. What are you doing to make a difference with your camera? What value are you bringing to the people who hire you? And what what like ripple effect from your energy, from your vibe, from your photography, and from your attitude creates evangelists, people who are walking around saying, holy fuck, Steve Cardi, that guy is fucking nuts. Photographer, call that guy. Nobody, like that's the reputation that I've created through 25 years of doing the same thing at the highest level and constantly trying to get better. But I failed so many times in my business because it was about me and my photos, not about my clients and what my clients needed and what my clients potentially in the future would need. Because so many photographers care so much about the work. The work is only 20% of the equation. 80% of what I do to be as good as I am, as in demand as I am, and as well known as I am, has nothing to do with the work. It's everything that you do outside of creating <clears throat> pictures. That's what builds a business. And not enough photographers care about that because that stuff is hard. That stuff is an area where they're not an expert already. They're an expert at making the photos, but they're not an expert at the business of photography, which is why, again, I'll say 84% of photographers fail. So for me, I'm in that 16% that are successful and I'm in the higher upper echelon of that 16% because I'm a mental case as far as how far I push my self-improvement and my learning. I was up until 5 a.m. last night, up for you at 10. It's five hours sleep. I'm going to do this podcast. I'm going to pre-record a podcast after this for Sunday. I'm going to record my own live podcast again on, because I do three a week at six. And then last night, I'm building an entire masterclass education system because the kind of stuff that I'm just saying right now off the cuff, and whether you decide to use this for your podcast or not, TJ is completely up to you. But what I know is that Photographers need tools. There's a skill set that they need and they don't have it. And there's nobody who's giving it to them because everybody on YouTube is about ego. It's about, look at me, look at me, look at my photos, look what I can do, look at my pictures, look at me, look at me. It's like there's so much saturation of what, look at me on YouTube. 
Look at Peter McKinnon. He's the, 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 the king of the, look at me, look at me. Come on, man. I'm an adult. I'm 53 years old. I don't have time to watch your extravagant sponsor paid for content about photography when really his whole business model, he's a YouTuber that uses photography as his niche. He gets the work now because he has five fucking million followers or subscribers. But if you go to his Instagram, where's the work? Where's the work? What you see? Presets, four prints for sale, LUTs, and hey, follow me on YouTube. Follow my Instagram if you want to see work. And, and why? Because the Bay is a failing company and they need the reach that Peter McKinnon has from his YouTube channel to shoot that and from his Instagram to shoot that. So no diss on Peter McKinnon. I think he's a great photographer, but he is lightning in a bottle. He's a lightning in a bottle. And don't get it twisted. He is a YouTuber that uses photography as his medium. He is not a professional photographer. So uses photography as his medium. So the reason that my YouTube channel is blowing up is because I'm different. I'm a, I'm a photographer that speaks pure truth on YouTube about the actual reality of being a photographer. And that truth... <laughs> <laughs> you watch this, you spicy, watch this right spicy. here. People don't want the truth. You watch this counter right here, you'll probably see some unsubscribes. Because the stuff that I say on my channel, people are like, they're they're not ready to necessarily hear um 16% of photographers succeed and the rest of you are gonna fail miserably. They don't want to hear that. They want to hear the gate, right? oh, you're great and blah 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 and Let's talk about apertures and how you get beautiful bouquet. And it's like, okay, go do that. That's cool. Spend all your time on that. But I'm formulating a new plan for my channel and the way that I'm going to deliver information and the, the kind of a content pillars that I'm going to have. And yeah, you'll see. There'll be Peter McKinnon will be worried about me because I'm going to be, I'm going to literally be pulling the carpet under because I'm going to be bringing the entertainment, but I'm also going to be bringing the value. Would you and say, Peter uh, McKinnon is just an entertainer. Would you say, um, in, in talking about that, like you're talking about the bokeh and what lenses you shoot with and all that kind of stuff versus the building the systems in place to be a successful photographer, could you ascribe that to just what people are looking for or? You're looking at two different uh, specific target audiences, maybe a beginner who knows nothing versus a photographer that wants to succeed in their business. And maybe there's two different niches. For well, their... for me, I, I had a segmented audience. There's a couple of different ways that you segment your audience. Number one, post shorts. That's the quickest way to segment your audience as far as uh, any kind of creator. What happens is shorts is a, shorts is a candy store. So shorts is candy. So if you're not there delivering your cool slideshow transitions with your photography, somebody else is there mm -hmm. and they're doing a little dance and someone else is there and they're doing a talking head video. And like <clears throat> social media, that kind of short form horizontal content, it's just candy. If yours isn't mm -hmm. there, someone else's is. And the people who watch shorts and maybe even subscribe, they don't, they don't follow up because they're shorts, they're candy store users. They don't follow up and go to your long-form content, which is fine dining, a beautiful restaurant. Mm. What you're creating, TJ, 
is fine dining. It's a beautiful restaurant. You're, you're learning and you're building relationships. People are learning about you as a creator. I've watched tons of your interviews. They're listening. They're learning about the photographers, which again, I've learned a lot about those photographers. The problem is, is that nobody cares. Nobody cares about other photographers' stories unless it directly affects something in their life. Unless it directly relates to a story that they can take that story, apply it to their own photography, and that will make their life better, easier, more enjoyable. So, I don't know, like, bokeh and lens selection and this kind of stuff, talking about, talking about photography in the purest form is there's nothing more than I love doing is talking about that but it's the application and I'm talking about it for a professional application because I feel like there's way more photographers out there that can give you that sort of, how do you call it, entertaining photography content on YouTube that'll teach you about bokeh and they all shoot like, here, let me grab my, um, let me grab my camera body. They all shoot with, um, <laughs> They all shoot with their camera like this, like they don't use the viewfinder because oh, right. of the like iPhone generation where they're used to like looking at their phone and taking pictures. So when they get their $5,000 rig, because, you know, that's the price of entry of just becoming a photographer, right? Just buy a camera and you're now a pro photographer. So they hold their cameras like this, which has no stability because mm. your arms are outside your body. You have to use your arms as a tripod. You anchor one arm, anchor the other, pull the other one to your body. And when your eye makes contact with the camera, you're actually creating a tripod and it creates stability and it makes your images better. Why do I know that? Because I'm classically trained. Like I started photography when I was 14. Um, I went to a photography school um, from age 14 because I was kind of a bit of a prodigy. My brother is a fine art painter, started photography when I was 14. My brother start, my brother is eight years older than me. So he was already the best in his school, like at art and instantly worked out of high school and was like at this incredible design studio at 18, no university. For me at 14, I discovered photography and I saw like, this was a way for me to express myself creatively. Went to high school the next year, I went to a high school that started in grade 10 instead of grade 9. It was grade 10, 11, 12, 13, or OAC here in Ontario. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> um, I had high school that had a photography class like for four years. And in my second year, my teacher who went to Ryerson said, you're really good. You could be a photographer. The same time, I got contact lenses. I wear thick glasses. Like I've worn glasses since I was eight. So I got contact lenses and all of a sudden people started paying attention to me. And I had this photography thing and I realized a camera was like my bridge to talking to people because I was really shy. I come from a place where like I was the only black kid in every school that I went to. I play hockey, don't really shoot baskets, you know, like I'm the white black guy because I'm Canadian. And in Canada, in the education system, you're stripped from your culture. So I grew up stripped from my culture, unfortunately. So I had to learn my culture on my own. And in doing that, it's made it so, you know, I get to discover myself and my identity. But around age 17, when I got my contact lenses, I also discovered that my camera was a bridge to being able to talk to people. And I saw pretty girls. And 
the same time, I'm able to talk to a pretty girl because I have my camera. My, my high school teacher showed me Vogue magazine for the first time. She bought a Vogue and brought it for me. And that, I saw that there was magazines full of photography and photographers were being paid to fly to exotic locations and photograph the most beautiful people in the world. Like, it wasn't weddings that I saw. I saw Vogue and that was like, I'm going to shoot for Vogue. By the way, I have shot for Vogue. It's taken me, it took me 30 years, but I have shot for Vogue Singapore. I've shot for a bunch of different magazines, but Vogue is, um, thank God, one of them. So um, it, it's just one of those things that then I, but I still was, I still had social anxiety, still wasn't really able to talk to people. I took a year off between high school and university because I knew at that point my, my teacher went to Ryerson. She said, you should go to Ryerson saw how much it costs. Oh my God. Took a year off between high school and university <laughs> and um, worked. I worked in the field. I worked at camera stores. I worked um, in places where I could get used to talking to people and learn how to sell. Mm. And I did that. I learned how to talk about photography. And all I wanted to do was talk about my own pictures when I was selling these cameras. And I was so passionate about photography that my passion for, the, for photography sold cameras. And I quickly got made a manager. I got quickly like promoted and given my own store. And it was like, I could have been a corporate guy working for Black's cameras, which by the way is over. So what would my career have been if I stayed safe hmm. and did retail? Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be the human that I am right now. The hard thing is, is that here's the thing. Most people, they take a safe route the thing that everyone else does, it's got social acceptability. It's a nine to five job. It's got this thing people call this. And I love this. They call this. It's like <clears throat> stability. I have stability. Yo, you know who has stability? <laughs> I have stability because I can't be fired. That's right. <laughs> you know that's right. No, that's I right. You know how many people I know who've gone to university, spent so much time developing skills, worked for a company for 10 years, and then at like 35, got laid off. And now they have to start over without the skills to work for themselves. So what they end up doing is the cycle all over again. Hand out, please, mister, do you have a job for me? Please, may I have a job? Like, come on, man. We have all the tools to work for ourselves. I've worked for myself since I was 19 years old. I haven't had a job. I haven't taken a nickel from any other thing other than my creativity and my professional photography since I was 19 years old. I'm 53. So obviously I have some skills that I can pass forward to people. But here's the thing. That safe plan, that plan that we all go safe, that inevitably fails, that plan that's easier is the route that everybody takes because their real passion, their real love, their real joy is photography. But they haven't invested in the skills that they need to turn that joy into a business. They haven't inv they invested zero time in business, how to turn photography into a business, mm -hmm. how to market, how to outward reach, how to create an amazing experience.
experience for people who hire you, how to package yourself, how to package your physical self, not just on the internet, how to do social media, how to use LinkedIn effectively to target clients, like all of these things that are just outside people's realm of understanding, but yet they put pictures on the one place that they think is somehow the gatekeeper to their success. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Instagram. Have you heard of this? <laughs> think is the gatekeeper. Place where all photographers think is the gatekeeper to their success. And if someone double taps their photo, they get joy. If someone doesn't double tap their photo, they get sorrow. Sad, yeah. So it's like, <laughs> That dopamine hit, you're just go, and what you're doing is you're looking outwards for validation. Please, someone validate the fact that I'm a photographer. But guess what? That isn't a business. That is taps on an iPhone screen. So why do 84% say? 84% of businesses fail, photography businesses fail the first year. I don't know. I have no idea, dude. You tell me. <laughs> if, uh, if, if today, um, I had a friend, a mentor of mine back in the day when I was in high school told me everything rises, everything rises and falls on relationship. And that seems to have held true for me. Combining that with brands, a personal brand, you'll hear every YouTuber and every photographer on YouTube talk about brand being built on social. So do you agree and no well i mean okay. i agree and i don't agree tj okay i Let's agree and i disagree this is something that's super it's a really great question we have to do a mix of two things in business as a photographer we have to do two things we have to both passively sell and passively selling it's super simple passively selling is what you're doing with your website the package, how you look on the internet, what your profile looks like on Twitter and your blah, blah, blah. You know, like really people, let's be real. Twitter is a different conversation. People are usually just doing Instagram. If they're at level one, they do Instagram. Level two, which photographers don't even get to, is their own photography website, personal website for their photography. Number three is, again, people don't get there, which is like when you're passively selling from social media, that's one thing, but you have to passively be selling and also actively be selling. If you're not doing both of those things together, your business will fail. It's just simple. It's just, I can actually, here's this. If you're not doing both of those things together, I actually promise you, your business will fail. Promise. It's one, it's a Cardi guarantee. I mean, you might get sporadic work but I don't care how good your website is or how good your photography is. If you're not actively looking for people in your niche that could use your skill set, and then crafting a perfect email or asking for an introduction and bringing yourself in front of them and saying an irresistible offer. If you're not doing that and, and like, cause to that client, you look like a gift from God to the right targeted client. You look like a gift. Like, oh my God, how did this guy know that you're exactly what I need? And how they know, or how I know, is I do the research. 
I hmm. look, I see their social media presence. I see their uh, kind of blah, blah, blah on social media. The photography is sometimes good, sometimes bad. Okay, cool. I look at their website. And then when I look at their website, I go like this. <laughs> oh my God. And I say this to myself, you're going to pay me about $10,000 to fix this because your business is fucked. And then I, I now, and then I do a little bit of research and then now I find the point person and now I have the information that I know. I see that they're constantly active. So my email looks like this. Hey, I can't help but notice that I see your work continually coming up in my feed. Point one, second line of the email. I noticed that we both have TJ in common. Oh my God, I can't believe you went to high school with TJ. I was on his podcast. I can't believe that we're both on the same connection. Third point, the compliment. I really loved what you did in this episode with Cardi. It was really incredible. I really think that how, how personal it was, how real it was, you really brought me such great value and I really got a great hit from that. Thank you. That was number three, the compliment. Do you see how when I said that, do you see how you felt in your stomach mm. when I said that compliment? Do you see how you were like drawn to me the way that I'm speaking to you? This is a teachable thing, TJ. It's teachable. What you, what you said at the beginning too, kind of everybody's favorite subject is themselves. And what you're doing is you're making that email about that person. They're like, you know, so, someone sees me. Someone sees me. Hey, TJ's learning. There you go. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it, it is possible. <laughs> so yeah. And then the third point is the value. Hey, do you know what? I've been a photographer for 30 years and I specialize in doing exactly what you're doing. I've shot Kanye, Pharrell, Colin Firth, Here, Michael Sheen. Like I can just drop through. Like, and we can get into the work in a second. Don't worry about that. Don't cover right. our beautiful faces. We can talk about that in a second. <laughs> okay. But we definitely what what you'll notice though, TJ, is we definitely have people's attention now. We definitely have people's attention and we wouldn't have their attention looking at the work. But the thing is, is just in me saying that, and you can front load the work before this podcast starts, because that's going to help your engagement. People seeing the person that you're about to shoot has shot Kanye. And, for, and also what will help your podcast is take one of those images and use them for your thumbnail for one, just for one time, one thing different, change your thumbnail, change your thumbnail format and use trending something that's celebrity like Kanye West. This photographer shot that guy. You Plus, and it's like, now you're bringing the photographer that shot that guy to your channel. Now, now that package, now you're going to, you have the potential of literally unlocking the secrets to YouTube, which again, we can talk about that offline. <laughs> I can talk to you about like the stuff that I've learned, but, um, but just back to the point, it's like the, the, uh, this whole thing is, is a game. This whole photography thing is a game and people take it too serious, but they also don't take it serious enough because like chess, there is mastery. There's mastery of photography. There's mastery of business, but unfortunately photographers, or I will call them hobbyists who are playing with cameras. I mean, no offense if you're out there not making money with your camera, but there's such strategies and unfortunately photographers don't know what they don't know. 
You can't possibly know what you don't know unless you speak to somebody who is doing what you hope to do. That's literally a few, I mean, I'm like three decades ahead of you. So because of that, because of that benefit of having just such track behind me, so many failures, so many insane successes, and the stories behind I made every single one of them happen, it becomes like, I don't know, it, 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 like YouTube, YouTube again, how you change YouTube, um, TJ, is by asking different questions. And when you ask, the, if you ask the right questions, I mean, because you see for me, I'm a great interview dude. And I know it because I, I bring value to anybody who chooses to spend five minutes to talk to me. I'm going to bring value. And what that does is it creates evangelists. So even in our conversation, if I teach you something about the photography business, or if I teach you something about YouTube or podcasting or anything that I've learned before, information is free. And you cared enough about me and my work and what I'm doing to invite me on this show. I care about you and what you're doing in order to try to make it so more people know about it. Because the interview format is one of the most beneficial things. But when I said earlier in this episode, the photographers don't give a shit about interviews. Mm. That was not a knock on you, TJ, because you're doing God's work. What it is, is it's a knock on the photographers. And I want you to hear that and let that just ring in your head because the value that you can bring from bringing in an experienced photographer to talk about life and work, it's amazing. I just think that if you switched your structure and had a three-act structure, number one, the six, give me the story. Tell me that success story. Like, how did you make it as a photographer? Number two, your acts of wisdom, your things, your value points, the things that you can bring that if someone watches my episode, they'll be like, oh my God, that was a sick episode. And then three, the work. The work is the last. You watch the whole episode if you want to see the work, but front-loading the work or making it all about the work or making people talk about the work and believe me for me when I talk about my work I make that so interesting because I care so much about the work but as I said earlier that's only 20% of it that's only 20% of what it is that we do so there's 80 other percent of it and every single guest that you bring on the show has that 80 other percent of it and if you dig that out of them what happens now is you bring way more value to the exposure therapy audience. And that now is what we're trying to do. How do you, um, <clears throat> you talked about that initial uh, outreach, right? The cold email or whatever you'll say. Mm -hmm. So once you're on set and then after you've done your shoot, how do you foster and, and, and keep kind of nurturing that relationship over time so that they keep calling you back again and again and again, besides just the quality of your work. For me, it's, um, I try to, it's weird with photography, you have to craft culture and craft relationships, but with every different kind of client, there's different ways to craft relationships. Like for me, I go for whales, meaning like 
I work, I work like, I don't know, 10 times a year, you know? So, I mean, that's, it's hard to explain. I, I work all the time, but as far as actual photo productions, mm -hmm. photo shoots, like productions, I do like four productions a year. Like, but productions are like, imagine in August, I did a job for a client. You can look at my website if you want to dive deep and put two and two together to figure out who that client is or my social media. But that client had a need, which was four days, still photography and video. And the thing is, is the reason I'm still in business, by the way, here's another secret. Creative services. You're just photography, creative services. You're just photography purist. Cool. But again, you'll fail. <laughs> the, ones that can, the ones that can tell stories through the single image and the moving image. Hmm. The one that can both tell visual stories with moving pictures in a certain style and also translate that also to still photography or the still photographer that can translate that still photography style into video, it's never been easier to do that. Like it's actually with Amazon and LED lights and the modifiers and all that, like it's never been easier to do that. And you'll see like photographers from Toronto, Daniel Schiffer, he's a video maker, really. He makes videos. But as far as just a creator, Daniel Schiffer... This guy's got 5 million subscribers and um, he literally has a $2 million a year video production company where he makes commercials that he started just from doing it on YouTube and his marketing and his, his, his seeing a hole in the market and filling it in the most, he caused an explosion. And now it's like he, he could he stopped YouTube for like six months to, to catch up on his commercial work because he, you know, did he bought a house already. The kid's 26. Good man. Yeah. He bought a house already. He's 26, TJ. So I, um, I, I, I have coaches, my guy, <laughs> by the way, here's the thing about coaching. Um, there's millionaires that are they pay fifty thousand dollars for master classes and you're like i mean that's just out of the realm of the most regular per person right like why would i pay why because because you know why because you get to talk to a guy who's built multiple multi-million dollar companies and he teaches you how easy it is and he gives it to you like this boom 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 but guess what to be in that master class it's like a year-long thing and if you get one like hour with him per month for a year and it's not one-on-one -on -one. it's like a group <laughs> and it's like 50k so here's this here's an example i did two years with creative consultants and i mean th these guys broke me down in such a way because i i was been, i was a photographer for 20 years but i wasn't successful i had mm -hmm. all these photographs and all this these these pictures and all these celebrities that i had photographed but i wasn't successful I, like and two years with my creative consultants. The next year, I signed a two-year deal with Canon and became Canon Canada's first brand ambassador. 
Oh, amazing. Yes, before, before Peter. <laughs> before Peter McKinnon. And funny enough, super time, I'll tell this just on your podcast because it hasn't been recorded anywhere else. Um, I wrote, when I was sponsored by Canon, I wrote uh, Jerry Maguire's speech, which was all about like, when I was signed with Canon, they didn't have social media. They didn't have Instagram. They weren't leveraging user photography like GoPro in order to promote their cameras. They were sending out emails 20% off a Pixima Pro printer. Like, like this is what Canon was doing when they signed to me. And they weren't in the right men's headspace at all. They didn't have Instagram. I'll say again. They didn't have YouTube. Like, so I gave them a Jerry Maguire speech. I sent an email company-wide that this is what they need to be doing. And um, um, when my contract came up to be renewed, I didn't get renewed. Because that email, that email fucked some people. That email literally at Canon Canada, you know where you are. I hope you get to watch this. <laughs> Those people, that email, because I was able to precisely say exactly what the company wasn't doing and why they were behind my, the people who were my handlers, because my main handler who I love so much, she quit. She left Canon. She was like, they're so backwards. And then I had new hand, but I didn't really have a handler. I just was like passed around between a bunch of people and like literally 18 months of this two-year contact went by and they didn't use me. At the end of the contract, guess what? Canon Canada had to write me a check for $27,500 because it was a $50,000 contract over the course of two years and they only used me eight times and it was in the contract that they had to, they had to pay me whether they used me or not. Hmm. So... Canon's a bit bitter, as you can imagine, towards Steve Cardi. Even if I still shoot Canon cameras, I talk about them all the time. <laughs> but as far as Canon, the brand, giving me love, like when I bought my R5, I messaged Canon. I'm like, hey, X, uh, I'm buying an R5. You know, it's your flagship, blah, blah, blah. It like nothing else. The R5 was, there was no R3 or it was the R5. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, hey, I'm buying it. You know, I'm spending a bunch of money. Like, it, and I get it through you. And, and it was literally like, yeah, man, we don't have any. Like that was the added, like literally that's how they treat me. And the funny thing the is mouth. then Black Lives Matter happened, Black Lives Matter happened and all that stuff. And it's like with all this photography education and all this cool stuff that I'm doing, you'd think that they would kind of come back to me, but no, no, they went and like reached for another brother photographer to sign and put on. And I, I, again, the person they signed is a great dude and I'm like super proud of him and he totally deserves it. But again, they're not looking at me because I I went like this and I like lifted the carpet at Canon and was like, hey, look what you guys are doing. Look at all this dust under here. And when you do that to a business and all these executives that are like supposed to be doing their job, but actually are stuck in a mindset from 20 years ago, like aren't evolving with the internet, aren't evolving with YouTube, aren't evolving with how things are going. I mean, they're evolving with technology but the company itself is so backwards. So it's like, remember they used to have Canon Creator Lab where it was like caring about photographers and like yeah, building this yeah. lab. Where's Canon? Where's that? Oh, you know, well, that wasn't a profit. It wasn't a profitable thing for us to care about photography. We had to go back to like, ah, you know what? Let's just find a perfect white dude who's kind of cool and blah, blah, blah. By the way, how many black people have been on Peter McKinnon's channel? It's a good question. How many black zero, by the way, because I've been watching five years. Zero. How many black people have been on Peter McKinnon's channel? Zero. So for me, 
That looks kind of non, kind of looks biased. Next, how many black people in Peter Buchanan's portfolio? To be honest, I haven't looked at his portfolio, so that's a good question. Interesting. Look at his Instagram. How many visible minorities do you see on his Instagram? Very interesting. Things that make you go, hmm. So for me, it's just like, I'm an open book, but I'm also a real person. And I, and I know what I look like. And I know, like, interesting, interesting. Black Lives Matter, whew, I was super popular during that time. Everyone's like, oh, let's go find the best black photographer. And now that, the months. Over, now that that shit's over, it's right back to how it was. So you want some reality for your podcast? I like giving you the goods. But know that it's like, I'm not bitter. But for me, know that, know that I just like, I just enable myself. I tried to do something with Canon that they didn't want to do. I wanted to give away education at Canon. I wanted to give away free photography education and like use Canon cameras, do workshops and all that stuff. Like I had a whole thing built out and they just didn't want to do it or they didn't want to do it with me. So I'm doing it on my own and you can see it's blowing up. And guess what? I reap all the benefit. And if I want to swap brands and if Canon wants to sponsor me, Canon, you wait till I get a million subscribers here on YouTube because baby, that is coming. And then two million, then three, then four. And then at one point, this whole house of cards that the photographers on YouTube that are just YouTubers that are using photography as a medium is going to crumble down and people are going to actually be looking for solutions to their mm. failing photography business. Mm. So, um, yeah, that's where I come in. Well, anyway, um, questions. Yeah, no, yeah, you mentioned, um, uh, well, Canon specifically keep up photography. By the way, I just want to mention, I find it very interesting that they hated you or they dropped you or they didn't like what you had to say, but now look what they're doing. Exactly. Of course. I mean, they just signed <laughs> up. They just signed somebody who was doing all the things that I said that they needed to do. That's the path of least resistance. And what you do in business is you do the path of least resistance. The amount of systems that they had to set up in order to make the thing happen that I said to do, it's cheaper to just pay a talking head to go and and just like let you get all like blah 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 about his cool tattoos and his knife flipping and his magic and like trick you into thinking he's teaching you anything about photography but the fact that he uses cameras and also see how quickly he switched to leica see how quickly he talks about he'll talk about whatever product is paying him is the best shit on earth so even he doesn't have any loyalty Peter McKinnon is a broadcaster. Don't get it twisted. Good. We'll get some clicks on this call into the takedown of Peter McKinnon. <laughs> Whatever, man. Do it. Do it. I don't give a fuck. I'm sorry to say, but I'm too much of a realist and too much truth, and I have the work to back it up. Like, that's the thing. I have the career to back it up, and I have the network, the amount of people who I've satisfied the amount of people who I've brought incredible value to have a great reputation. So I'm not worried about speaking truth about something that everybody knows is actually happening. I have no issues about like, I have truth. It's tattooed right here. It's right here. So I, it's like, it's against my religion to lie about anything, especially on YouTube. I just speak truth. There's an audience for it. They'll be here. And if they're not, they unsubscribe and it's totally cool. I have no, I feel no ways about it.
I'm sorry I never got to connect with you before. If you can see my background here, I put that up in honor of, of you. Of course, you got the six. <laughs> Let's go, baby. Yeah. Of course, I noticed that. Of course. As, uh, fellow, well, former Torontonian, I'm a fully fledged Alberta now. The conversion has been completed, but uh, I did come from Toronto. And, yeah, I can uh, tell. I can tell from your voice. Like you, you have a Toronto accent. If there uh, is such a thing, <laughs> come on, TJ. You sound exactly like you're from. You're from Toronto for sure. I went down to uh, Eckville, Alberta, so central Alberta, to a organic beef farmer, and I did a documentary, a short doc for him. And uh, we were just driving around, and I was talking with him, and he says, you know, you don't kind of look or sound like a Toronto boy. I was like, yeah, conversion complete. <laughs> well, listen, the more the more time you spend out there in um, the middle of the country, the more everything slows down, everything. Mm -hmm. I, it's just it's such a different pace. Like for me... My brother lives in Kamloops, and anytime I'm in the West, I just, like, it forces you to slow down, but it's like, I've been there for work. Like, I've flown to, to Vancouver to shoot for Starbucks Canada and, like, a couple of other clients, like, I have that, like, fly me across the country, and um, it just, the pace of the way that in Toronto and production, the way just, the way that my assistants move, the way that everything happens, like, it's so fast. And there, it's, it's just, a, it's like, I'm in, I'm usually in third, fourth, or fifth gear. That's just mm. the, my gearbox. It goes from, like, I wake up and then it's quickly in third gear. Like today, I opened my eyes, and even before I put my contacts in, I sat at my computer and I opened Discord and I like replied to like three messages and diffused in like, and then was like, okay, cool. Ah, and I looked at my watch and I'm like, okay, it's 10, two hours until TJ. Like at the same point, like it's five hours sleep. I was up till five, but. People are like, you sleep till 10? It's like, yes, because once I start working, I do not stop. I don't. I will not stop until 3 in the morning. Like last, last two days, I've been on this like creative flow and like brainstorming about ideas and stuff like that. And it's like seeing and trying to, trying to explain to people what, uh, what a creative flow is looks like like it, it looks like this like this is this is what um this is what my creative flows look like and i i do these like map outs and i <laughs> look look at this one these are my creative flows wednesday i would be disappointed in myself if i didn't do two on this list today and then I have my things that I have to do. So you see here, brainstorm masterclass. So then we go into masterclass and like that brainstorm and the way that, um, the way that that sort of mapped out to like to this. And this is, oops, this ends up being like the framework for how I teach people, which it all starts with the work and their talent, but most photographers are lazy. And it goes into the packaging, which is your portfolio, your website, and you, um, but also health, fitness, and mindset. 
and photographers just focus on this, but they don't do this. So I'm like, okay, that's another thing. So these are like, these are um, like sort of creative flows. Then it's the business side. And most people are uninformed. And when they become informed, then they do LLCs and corporations and co. And like, that's a skill that you can learn. Like, this is my happy place right now is the business side. And then there's the systems, systems for everything. And then I just explain a couple of quick systems and then the outward reach and the system for outward reach and then the system for marketing and then putting it all together. So this is this and then community <laughs> and accountability and self-improvement and weekly tasks, monthly tasks. Like this is, this is how I um, map out my creative flows and photographers creatives we have to write everything down the problem is that we watch youtube you watch youtube video and you're like oh my god cardi's got a new video out and you watch that youtube video and you take it all and then you're like okay then it's over and guess what you watch another video and then you watch another video and then you take a shit and what i just said is out of your head do you know what i mean because yeah. we don't have we have is here's an example when when digital phones came we started to outsource our brain meaning we no longer had to remember every single phone number that we owned or knew we outsourced our brain to our device we trust our devices enough we actually in fact trusted our devices more because we knew if we used our devices for phone numbers we could remember way more phone numbers and that obviously email addresses blah blah, blah. like you think about all the different ways that you that you offload stuff from your brain and just trust it to a technology to handle it right like we do that photographers we have so many ideas and they just fucking rattle around our brain and photographers don't have an active system for like getting the thoughts and the ideas and all these genius out of our brain and get it down so we can actually action them Again, one of the reasons that I have a successful business is because these brain flows, these ideas, wherever they come from and whenever they come, I have a system for capturing them. I capture them all. And I, I have a notebook system, <laughs> which I've evolved away from. But for years, it was always notebook, 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 notebook. And it was, but the problem is going back to the notebook and then there's multiple notebooks and thoughts like, so it has to be digital. So doing these like creative flows and like these idea jams with yourself and then not having an active way to like action them, mm. that was a problem for me. So I created a solution and now I'm learning and learning more how to develop that solution so I can teach it, you know, and, and that's now sort of where I'm at and Obviously, the work, the work is the most important part because, again, when you see me with my camera, TJ, I'm this person, but magnified. I'm this person, but magnified. I'm a, it's a different Cardi. It's just a different Cardi. And anybody who's had the experience of shooting with me, the way that I, amplify like the way that i just turn my frequency up a bit the way that i compliment the way that i make people feel heard understood and valued like it creates this 
realm of stickiness. Like I'm, I'm like a skunk dude. Like once you, but it's a good scent. <laughs> you know what I mean? You yeah. just, um, you just, uh, sorry. Yeah, you go ahead. You, I just cut you off there. Okay. So if you imagine, um, in first nations culture, because I'm part first nations, it's called skunk medicine and skunk medicine to just describe it. It's, I have reputation. When you look at me, you're like, that's a serious cat. When it, I just, I just give off this air. And then if you ask me a question or I say, you'll be like, oh shit. Like, cause I'm not just blah, I, I'm going to, I'm going to say something that means something and, and brings you value. And I'm going to do that to everybody who chooses to take a moment to talk to me. So when you're that type of a, like that, that type of a person in that character trait, again, that's, you can learn that because I learned it. Because I wasn't like that before. I was all about me. Dude, you know I've shot Kanye? Do you know how cool I am? You mentioned <laughs> Like that was the vibe. So, you know, ask your question. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, you meant you mentioned before, which is totally true. You can be sitting on the can watching YouTube video after YouTube video. Oh, that's a good idea. But then it's gone as soon as you're on the next video. And then you just mentioned about um, making people feel a certain way, feel seen, mm -hmm. feel heard. And that's kind of how you're going to get that stick, that stick that sticks to you. And you're going to build that community, right? Like people don't remember what you what they learn from you. They kind of remember how you make them feel. Of course. I'm, I'm butchering the quote, but. No, I just um, made a video about it for sure. I just <laughs> literally made a video about it. Yeah. So how uh, on that, using those kind of, social skills uh, and, and emotional intelligence, which I guess is very important, right? Like with every client, not just building a community around yourself, but with your the clients, the people that hire you, like how you make them feel. That's gonna, probably not just the quality of your work, that's gonna, what's gonna keep them hiring you to keep you coming back. Um, how do you, I guess, how, how do you do that? How do you uh, build that community? What And also jumping around here, but what do you build that community around yes photography but is there a specific aspect of photography you build that community around and, and how do you do that how do you attract those people into your community? well for me i've always since the mid 90s i've been taking on apprentices um and assistants and the ratio of assistants that have gone on to shoot for vogue like Corey Vanderplue, <laughs> um, direct motion pictures like Javier Levera, be represented by massive <laughs> photography studios like Wade Hudson. He's represented by Westside. Um, these are all people who went through my um, Miguel Arellanes. Um, There's like so many that I've had as my um, Rohan Agalawate. <laughs> He's rocking Jesse Milnes. Jesse Milnes was my assistant for two years, and he's right now directly my competition. Like Jesse Milnes has taken my jobs right now. Like it's and it's so much love. Like you understand, if I don't get a project, but one of my past assistants, meaning somebody who's gone through my education program intensely for two years, gets the project, that means the shit that I teach creates long. So. Now I've been doing it for so long. So now it's, now I'm, I, I, I have, sorry, you got, I, I don't know if I'm losing the question there, TJ. No, just, um, 
I guess kind of the uh, how how do you go? You you talked about building community. Oh, building community yeah. after right. So what happens is I have a, a community around the fact that I have a reputation for helping photographers become pros. And I have such a track record of people who've come by me and then have left a photographer. So that I have that reputation. So photography education, photography, professional photography education is always something that's been surrounded alongside me. Plus, I have a reputation of being um, one of the best in the city, one of the best in the industry, <laughs> I hope, <laughs> as far as what, it, what I do. And that reputation has been developed from just over-delivering continually over time over delivering for 20 years and as far as client relationships when when you're dealing and i started to say on this earlier and sorry we're jumping around a little bit if you're watching um i started to say this earlier if you're facilitating a client and and you're doing like higher end more elite high budget work you don't need to like massage them all the time you need to have a relationship with them but at the same points like you not getting the job it might be budget it might not be relationship it's like hey they can't afford you for this round which that's happened for me so many times people can't afford me by the way it's okay to be too expensive as a photographer <laughs> don't um lower your prices and to get a job um if you're gonna have to lower your prices just give less for less don't mm. give the same for less unless the client that you're doing it for and that work out in the world the value of that meaning nike meaning something that's profile the value of that is worth you actually almost doing it for free mm. so don't lose a job over a nickel you know what i mean a couple of hundred bucks or a couple of thousand bucks when it comes to the right project but um definitely have to quote with you get get what you're worth i also help people with quoting i did a job in august four days of work for forty seven thousand four hundred dollars and they gave me a bonus of another two thousand dollars so it was forty nine thousand dollars for four days work of stills and video and the fact that i also do video meaning that they didn't have to hire a second team to come in and do the video which would have cost them 80,000 or 50 or whatever. So the fact that they got stills and video at 50, um, and I created a deal with them where I'm their creative partner and they're not just doing it once. Like I did the job last year for 17,000. I did the job this year for 50,000 and I will also do the job next year. So for me, when I was touching earlier on whales, like, and when I say I only work, I only shoot a few times a year. <laughs> I mean, projects, it's that. It's like when I do a project, it's 50,000 bucks. So because of that, it makes it so I can invest so much time in my YouTube channel to get that to that level because mm. I'm not stressing about hustling photography jobs. I can focus on this and just passively market with the jobs that I'm getting right now until I'm ready to flip the switch again and go back into actively marketing, which has to do with me updating my packaging and updating a couple of things that I'm going to do before I do that active sell. But once that active selling happens, then next year there'll be like five of those $50,000 jobs or more. You mentioned, uh, with active selling before, like you have your passive selling, which is a social, you talk about active selling 
And you mentioned reaching out with the one, two, three, four points kind of in that email to kind of get that initial hook in. Um, how would you use, I, I'm actually, hate instagram with a passion same but same you'll see but, if you follow uh, me on instagram yeah. i post once a month like i but again yeah. <laughs> just because it's because i'm not trying to attract because you only get one chance to make a first impression and instagram is not my source for money um yeah. i think that there's something with the uh the way that the full screen is happening mm. um the uh your two windows oh here um, but yeah, I, you see, it wasn't coming back together all the way. Um, that last shot, oh, yeah. that last scene. Yeah. Right there. It's not coming. Oh, just back. a little line in the middle there. Yeah. It's not coming back all the way. Move transition. Um, yeah. So basically the, sorry, I, that lost my train of thought. No, no worries. Uh, we're just talking about kind of active selling on socials and we're talking about, uh, Instagram and I was basically just going to ask like how, what your tactics are outside of the emails there to do the active selling, maybe not to a specific uh, client, but um, the best general. It, it, here's the thing. This is what, here's my strategy. Whenever I want to work, number one, I go out. And if you're living, if you live in a big city, it, it applies. If you don't live in a big city, this doesn't apply. So ignore this at all. Totally. But if I want to start like actively being on people's radar and doing work, I'll start going out. I'll start going to events. I'll, I'll show up at a gallery show. I'll show up at like a cool, like a cool night spot. Like I'll show up at the Soho house. I'll show up in spots and people are like, oh shit, it's Steve Clark. Cause I never go out. So that's the first thing that I do as I show up socially. And then after that, it's like the people that you meet they want they everyone here you've heard this before people like you haven't seen someone for a while you bump into them and they're like oh my god hey cardi what are you doing and i'm like oh dude i'm doing lots of stuff what are you doing and they and again defer back mm -hmm. because i have so many amazing things going um i want to go second if you want to talk about on the ego side i want to go second i don't want to go first because like i'm going to tell you something and you're going to tell me something better <laughs> that's like it's the fuck but when you're talking to people that and you're doing real relationships and you're really talking about people and, and they ask you like hey what have you been doing and i'm like well i'm building a whole education system i spent the last two years on youtube they're like what you're on youtube I'm like yeah well how's it going yeah i'm like oh it's crazy you know it's like again passive answers but you're making them ask you what you're doing and hmm. then you're like, yeah, and then I shot this job um, in August, so I pretty much don't have to work for the rest of the year. And then they're like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> like, I drop things that create curiosity loops, and mm. people want to to finish the curiosity loop. So then they're like, you did what? And I'm like, yeah, I just I shot for this client. It ended up, you know, giving me the amount of money that would, um, you know, just whatever, dude. It was like almost six figures. And they're like, holy shit. And it's like, yeah. So, and also like I live super modest, which is something that clear, like I live super modest. So I like, I have a kid, I have two kids. I have a kid and I have another kid. Um, and their mom and my kids live in Oakville. So um, my amazing children. Um, the, like, so I, I live humble so I can have a surplus rather than, a deficit you know what i mean i people spend more than they than they earn 
So yeah, so I basically just, um, I try to lead them in this curiosity loop of what is going on with me to make them feel FOMO. Make them feel like, wow, this guy's got a whole bunch of stuff going on that has nothing to do with me. Mm -hmm. Wow. How did he do, how did, like, and people's egos are so big. When they, when they ask you, hey, what are you working on? They, they, you, people's egos are so big that you being successful, working on cool things without them makes them feel like I need to know this guy more. I need to pay attention more to what this guy's doing. And if it's true, like he's actually making other people's lives change. Like maybe I kind of like people don't want to take the first risk on you. They want someone else to like be taken and then they fall into the party. And those are just hangers on and you know what I mean? So, but I do create these curiosity loops by like dropping behind the scenes on stuff that I'm shooting on my social media. Like I use social media in a very, in a very different way. Like if I'm not doing anything cool, um, that I think like photo shoots that worthy, like full social media, blah, blah, blah. What I put on social media is the stuff I talk about on YouTube. And that is segmenting my audience because again, people don't care about learning most of the time they just care about themselves so because of that again my content only resonates with that 16 percent of the photographers that are going to be successful those photographers hear my words and they're like yes somebody finally who is giving the information that i need in a no bs way that i can actually action it like so yeah, like again, for me also scarcity, creating scarcity around my work, which I've done by rarely posting. You see, mm. I have 11,000 subscribers on Instagram. They're yeah, lucky. I was looking at get, you today there. Yeah. They're, they're lucky if they get two posts a month. It's just, it's so like what, what's happening for those people who are following me on Instagram and fine if they stop following me, they're realizing they're for following me on the wrong platform. And mm. that's what I'm starting to, because I'm super active on social media. It's just my social media is YouTube. My social media is Behance and my social media is LinkedIn and mm. my mailing list and my Discord. Like my social media is more full outward reach and then community building. Like that's, that's, I, I build community because those people are lifetime believers and most of my community are other photographers which i 100 percent love and that's what i that's what i need i need them to be photographers um but for the people who join around my work now i'm going to be giving them all kinds of things in ways that they can support just the work and again winter is the winter is for um laboratories like the winter in canada is when you go inwards, you go in here, you go in here, and you go, you know, inside the computer and really figure out what it is that you need to do in order to change so you can get to the next step. Because people just like don't a, change. Just like a tree, eh? Like in the winter, it looks dead, all the leaves go in, but the sap is pushing the roots down into the yeah. ground. It's getting 100%, stronger. And, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful metaphor. <clears throat> Beautiful. Right now, uh, as you well know, <laughs> YouTube has taken a big step on video podcasts and podcasts are pretty huge right now. And you know, everyone on YouTube talks about 
you know, how there's so many YouTube videos, but very few active podcasts and stuff. So if you wouldn't mind, um, successful podcast, you've been doing it for a lot longer than I have. Mm-hmm. You can use mine on the operating table if you'd like to tear it apart, but uh, you already did a little bit before and kind of like the three-part act. But how does one photographer, if they want to kind of get into this niche, this genre and get into a podcast, how do they make it successful and how do they make it blow up such as your channel is doing? Oh, wow. That's a great question, TJ. Thank you. And thanks for the compliment, honestly. And know that um, the only thing that's separating a photographer who has something to say and YouTube is the willingness to just do it. Starting is the hardest part of anything. Starting. It's why we procrastinate. It's and, And also the other thing that this is such a key point, and I'm so glad that you asked this question. Photographers love perfection. And because we love perfection and perfecting the frame so much, when it comes to other aspects of our life, if we can't achieve perfection instantly or as quickly as we achieve perfection with the camera, we give up. So this is why photographers start their photography business with full-on optimistic, uninformed. It's Mm. the uninformed optimistic that starts the business. And then they crest and they become an informed pessimist as they realize how much they don't actually know. And Mm. then they hit the valley of doom, which is nothing's happening. They're not learning. There's no progress with their photography, and it, which is where everybody quits. And then guess what they do again? They're like, maybe I'll be a graphic artist. And then they mm. start a new thing, and they go into it with uninformed optimism, with full guns blazing, then they hit the crest, then they get informed pessimism. Holy shit, this is hard too. Then they hit the valley of doom, and then they quit, and then they start the cycle all over again. That's the That's the the legacy of every side hustle, and which is why people don't get past the valley of doom, past that place where they start to get informed optimism, where they're informed and they're optimistic, where they're actually going back up to upswing, which is where you need to go to actually hit success. Mm -hmm. So the question was with photographers and podcasting and where I've found my success is I did two years on YouTube research. Like I, I live streamed on YouTube to nobody for two years. Like how this overnight success with my podcast was number one, a year of planning and brainstorming through COVID, like really needing like, uh, and then starting gaming because I played Warzone with my, and I started Warzone with my son because I couldn't see him because we lived separate and we were, you know, and my daughter were like just being able to be on Twitch. And that was like a thing and connected me with my kids. And I learned so much about the live streaming space on Twitch and gaming and how gamers were online for eight hours and like people were watching them and they were managing to hold people's attention, not just with the game that they're playing, they're the way that they were teaching a little bit hey you do this to do this and then they're entertaining you with the game but they're also giving you value you know so i've learned in that space and i i had a gaming channel i mean i still have it it's not active but i had a gaming channel i would like and 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 then i took the knowledge that i learned from gaming and live streaming gaming 
And I'm like, I'm going to do a live podcast because there's nobody who does the interaction. Like YouTube is one way facing. You send out a video. Mm. Hope people like my video. And then you get a comment and then you reply to the comment. It's like, and the person made the comment three hours ago and they're not on the computer and then you reply and then they see that comment two weeks later. And then like, it's just, there's no this. And I took everything genius that was working with the gaming space and why gaming is a thing and live streaming in the gaming space. And I applied it to my photography stream. So my live stream is absolutely insane. You don't understand how crazy my live stream is. <laughs> you understand? Like I'm nuts with it. And because I'm so good at live streaming, because I have all of these attention resets, because I have zooms and smoke and glitches and all of these things that make it so people are continually engaged in my stuff, it, it, it makes the education fun. Like, don't you think? I think so. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there it is. Oh, dude, get out, get out of here, bro. Move, 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 move. So as you can see, like I make this show, I make this show so enjoyable for the people to watch. I make it so funny. And also my chat, my live chat controls my stream. So all of these things that you see I'm doing, I've learned so much and I deep dived so hard that my chat can say high quality content. They can put that, they can glitch my camera, they can time warp me. Like my, my chat can do all of these things while I'm passionately talking about photography. And do you understand how absolutely number one, fun, but also hilarious that is. And it means like I'm taking the piss out of myself while I'm giving this education. And for me, like I, I, I created lightning in a bottle. Like I have lightning in a bottle, but the photo reviews, the like all like understand it's, I have direct access to a 30 year pro. I have something that nobody else has. And that's the thing that you're, you have to find your value, what it is that you bring that no one else can bring. For me, nobody on YouTube has three decades of experience. Nobody has photographed this person and this person and this person and this person and has shot this and flown. Like there's nobody who's, who's taken the time to now be on YouTube. Tin House Studios, um, Scott Ciccino is an amazing creator. He's one of them. And there are a couple of others, but the amount of photographers that are pro photographers that stop what they're doing and take the time to do YouTube, not a lot of them. So being one of them, it's like, okay, if I'm going to do this, 
like this has to be a business. It's not like literally. And, and again, I did it two years for free, literally streaming to five people. But what it helped me with is it helped me be dynamic on camera. It helped me be like the way that I like punch in and I'm like, oh my God, can you believe this? Come here, come closer. Let me explain this to you. Like that kind of stuff. Like you have people hanging on your every word because I'm a crazy person when I'm doing these live streams. It's so fun for me. I'm in my place. I'm, it's just me. I'm by myself, but it's so fun. And like, I used to stream to like five people. And if I hit 10, I was like, oh my God, 10 people are listening to me. This is insane. Now, like I'm streaming, like live streaming, it, it you hit like tier, like I'm now streaming to 50. So from when I started, I'm 10X where I started with mm -hmm. my live streams. Now, after my live streams, when I would end a live stream, if it got 50 views, oh my God, I got 50. If it got a hundred views after a while, it was like, wow, that's a good podcast. It got a hundred views. Now my podcasts get thousand views, 3,500 views, 4,000 views. Like now it's like, okay, what's happening is believers are being, because mm. people are seeing like, this guy is different. This guy's different. And he has great things to say. And He's continually resetting my attention. And every episode is giving me something that I didn't know that I needed. But, oh my God, I had never even thought of that because photographers don't know what they don't know. So once you find a photographer who also admits, I don't know what I don't know, but I'm further along on the journey. So there's so many things that I've learned that you still don't know, like three decades of them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I'm just now, I'm now into the realm where I'm learning how to like build a legacy. I'm building something for my kids. Like I'm trying to build like something where I can give the right photography information to the right people. But they have the greatest chance of success. Like that's it. Bring the biggest value, how to be a pro, how to be a working pro, and how to sustain it for decades. That's all that I want to teach people. You talk about a segmented audience. You talked about now, again, giving that value, whether it be on your live streams or your podcast or whatever you're doing. And uh, it sounds like that niche is like people who want to succeed as pro photographers. But as a pro photographer, what do you see the value in as niching down to a specific, uh, you know, type of There's, photography? I, I made a whole video on it. So it's really easy for me to go through these points. I developed the script for, you know, two months. I like me talking about specializing is the number one point that makes photographers get up in their feelings. And it's because again, photographers never get out of that realm of the work. They just love the photography. They love making photos and they're, they don't have the right, they don't have direction. So because they don't have direction, they just make photos they try niches and they think, well, the one that sticks, I'll go with that one. Mm. The secret is, is that photographers don't spend any enough time on any one niche to achieve mastery. I am a people photographer. I am a master of dealing with people, photographing people and making people feel happy that I'm a master at it. So 
I've been doing it for three decades. So that's my specialty. Now I shoot products. Guess what? Nobody knows. You know why? Because that fucks with my demographic and it fucks mm. with what people think that I do. I also make videos, which just now, just now are people starting to connect that I do video because I talk about it and YouTube, right? So photographers like, I mean, and it's, I, I've diagrammed this, but the way that, um, the way that photographers do it is, and I think it's the easiest for me if I do a diagram, um, oh, come now. And again, you can cut out all my, uh, all our little, uh, slow points here, but I think it's easiest if I do um, a diagram. And if you imagine, oops, the iPad's not connected. If you imagine um, how uh, pro photography works, hide that, bring that back up. And this is you, the photographer with your camera, all happy, smiling, aiming at absolutely everything right? So there's, these are all the different things that you're trying to shoot. I shoot cars, I shoot weddings, I shoot events, I shoot portraits, I shoot babies, because you know, you're going to make money if you can show that you can shoot the most amount of things, right? Okay. But the problem is, is that you're, you're creating no brand and mm. there's been no household name generalists ever. People don't search photographer. They don't search um, just photographer. What they search is editorial, portrait, photographer, Toronto. So if you do that search, editorial, portrait, photographer, Toronto, you'll see Steve Cardi, photographer, first because I know my niche and I'm really smart <laughs> on SEO and um, knowing how to name my site, title my site, optimize my site for that market. That's why I get one major magazine client a month, pretty much mm -hmm. just finding me on Google. Now, your, night, your, your, your website's called um, Steve Cardi Photographer and someone searches photographer and it gets 25 billion websites how do they find you mm -hmm. how they can't because you're not categorizable what makes a genius photographer is they are categorizable and the thing that's amazing about being categorizable is now you search car photographers because guess what i have a lambo and i want someone to photograph my lambo i don't have a lambo and I want someone to photograph my Lambo. So you search car photographers, local area. Yes or yes, right? And what do you get? <sighs> You're an actor. You need new headshots for your portfolio, for your castings. What do you search? Acting, photographer, hmm. insert market. What happens? You get less photographers, but you get the photographers that specialize in just that niche. And now you're searching. So what you are doing by categorizing yourself is you're making yourself easier to be found, which is part of passive, passive marketing. Problem is, is when people don't specialize, they are uncategorizable, they are unsearchable, and they have no definition 
of what it is that they shoot. Now, ask me, what do you say? Are you a photographer? What do you do? Ask me and I'll tell you. Hey, are you a photographer? What do you shoot? Hey, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, you know, when you open magazines and there's like pictures in there, I, I make them and that, and then what are they, what's the next question? loop, right? And then what are they, what's the next question? Oh, what really? Kind of magazine, what kind of people, what kind of, yeah. Correct. Oh, well, probably a lot of people that you've heard about or know or have seen. And they're like, again, curiosity loop, right? Ooh. And then I say, have you heard of Kanye West? <laughs> um, have you heard of Pharrell Williams? Sandra Oh, Colin Firth, Michael Sheen. Um, like, and then I just, Tom, you're from Radiohead. Then I just go through my list and, and then I'll grab my phone and I'll be like, here, look at my website. And I'll be like, duk, 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 duk. and then they're like, what the, f and like, that's, it's passive. Like it's, mm. it's cause I'm creating a curiosity loop. The way that I answer that question, questions, they're like this. <laughs> and also they know that at, at the level of photography that I'm at is up here. Mm. They already know I'm like up here. So pricing and all that stuff it's already established like and that's what i talked about that skunk medicine thing early like one word for me you're like whoa so that creates that that like reputation and that like air and again it's not arrogance when it's from love and from bringing value to people and it's not arrogance when it's true it's not and again it's not braggadocious because I don't, blah, 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 I'm Cardi, I blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't even talk. Do you understand? But I have a vibe and my personal style, the way that I hold myself, the way that I move into a room, people look at me and say, who's that guy? Like people, again, I talked earlier about the packaging. Embody, the, like, they're, like, I embody the, the, the photographer. So what the photographer looks like is whatever you want it to be but you have to own a style you have to own whatever it is that you are the hard thing is with photographers we're all shy we all have social anxiety we're all super understated we're all wallflowers we want to shoot with long lenses across the street and steal pictures of strangers <laughs> like this is what we do like we're not extroverted and i wasn't extroverted and i knew i learned when i was 19 when I was a shy, quiet boy, that if I didn't learn how to kill this shy person, I would be working nine to five for the rest of my life. And that's what happens. And that's likely what exactly 84% of the people who are watching mm. this video are doing right now. You, um, I don't want to jump topic too much, but you mentioned uh, stealing images of people across the street, like with a long lens. Mm. Um, I caught I caught on an episode you're talking about recently about uh, an image of yours. Now talking about copyright theft, that images was stolen, and it was uh, this one. Yeah, constantly. Um, yeah, constantly. Can you talk about how, as a professional photographer, you deal with that kind of issue? Well, this is my most stolen image. Well, I mean, I thank God I have a great network because anytime someone takes one of my photos and again i'm represented by getty which is the world's largest photo licensing agency so you can't steal this photo like what you can do is 
post it on Instagram, you know what I mean? And like put it under a Pharrell fan account or like something like, but the thing that people miss, and this is, it sort of goes into watermarking and why I don't watermark my images. I've never watermarked my image. I only watermark client proofs to stop them from using them that like uh, to stop them from using unfinished images that they didn't pay for. That's the only reason to watermark pictures, but so my pictures are on watermark. So many times they get credit, they get posted without credit. Now, if the photos were opened in, 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 in like Photoshop, you'd see that they're digitally photo by Steve Hardy, but many of these are screening. But what happens when you have a photograph that's 25 years old, that people know that, pe that people love that it, what it does is it raises my brand. Like what I, this photo has been in hip hop immortals, which is the largest exhibit of hip hop photography in the world. This photo was in 40 years of hip hop, which was again, the largest exhibit of moving photography photographs in the world. This photograph has been exhibited in London, in Paris. This photo is the second most important photograph of my career, the second most important session in my career. And this photograph, although I shot it for $300 has made me a career. So when people steal it and repost it on their social media platform, they're actually doing me a favor. They're bring cause 10 people will make contents comments saying that's Steve Cardi's picture. That's an at Steve Cardi picture. Like people will find it for me and tell me like, I have a network like that. That'll be like that's Steve Cardi. And also it's the most frequently stolen pictures. So the more times it gets reposted, it just tells you that I create work that has lasting legacy power. And because of that, it's like creating work that has, um, that kind of staying power, that kind of stamina that, that makes it so, yeah, that makes it so you really have, um, you really now have your pictures at a, at a, at a certain, like, it's almost like this is a meme. Like I, I, I made photographs that went viral, you know? So that tells you the power of photography and you should never watermark your pictures. You should put your best work out there and let it go. And again, if it gets stolen, be happy. Someone, if they, if they're really a legitimate source, they're going to credit you. If they're not a legitimate source and they're just stealing it, like can't use it for money because you have the raw file. You have the raw file, you can sue them. It's an instant $25,000 win. So like people don't steal photos, people repost photos. And again, if someone really cares enough about that photo, they're going to do the work to find out who it is. Slapping photo by Bob Smith on the corner of your photo just makes it ugly. I don't care what your design of your watermark looks like. It's just stupid. And that's the reason that your photos have never been my, this picture has been on hype beast. Hype beast has like 5 million like subscribers on like hype beast reposted this photo. You know what it said underneath legendary photograph by a legendary photographer, Steve Cardi. That's what nice. it said underneath. So it's like, and, and why did they repost it? Cause there's no watermark. It's an amazing mm -hmm. photo and people can just appreciate the photo without seeing my advertisement. I absolutely, absolutely agree with you. Absolutely agree with Literally, you. Literally, a watermark is like a pop-up ad that pops up in your photograph and it's like, hey, <laughs> I took this photo. <laughs> like, that's what your watermark says to anybody who's a true professional in the industry. Guaranteed. It's thirsty. And, oh, dude, it's so, it's so like, 
basic. Appreciate so yeah, I think that honestly, not not putting a single thing on your photograph except for every single thing that you can within the frame, make your frames excellent and release them to the world. Putting your watermark on top of a photo on the corner, however big or small, is it's as tacky as it comes. All you need to do is go to Behance. Behance.net is the best photographers in the world share their work on Behance. By the way, if you're not on Behance and you're a photographer, you're doing yourself a huge disservice. And that that vibe on Behance is no what you'll see no watermarks. None. And you'll see work that like literally people could just steal and directly put it in their portfolio and call it theirs. But it's like there's there's like a a level of professionalism in that community that it just not doesn't happen. Like it literally, if you get flagged and you lose your Behance profile, you realize like you now lose the ability to make money as a photographer because Behance is, it's Behance is our Instagram. It's the photo, it's the creatives Instagram. It's it literally, it's creatives LinkedIn. It's like a smash between LinkedIn and, and Instagram for photographers and creatives. So Behance, like, and you'll see that's the bar. And if there's no watermarks there, even if you don't know or don't believe the reason, look at them and be like, okay, these guys' work is way better than mine and they're not watermarking their pictures. Well, it kind of makes you ask the question, why are you still doing it? I've wanted to make a video about it. It's scripted. I'm ready to go. But I, there's a there's a creator that made a video on it and it is so good. And he hits every one of my points so perfectly and it's executed so beautifully that I just like, no, dude. I And I've made a comment on his videos. I'm like, bro, I wanted to make this video. I searched to see if there was an audience for this video. I saw yours and now I'm not making it. I would rather promote yours. <laughs> That's kind of what I said. I remember um, when I first started learning on YouTube about just how to take, you know, when I first got my first camera, uh, one of the first guys I saw was Jared Poland. Everyone knows Frodo's photo. And, uh, he's he's where everybody one. starts. I hear that every single <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah. And he's, uh, you know, he's the one that says, don't watermark your photos because like you just said, it's just tacky as hell. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like Frodo's photo is kind of spun from like a prof professional photography channel into like photo news you know what i mean mm -hmm. which makes money from it it's a good business blah blah blah. but again frono's photo he's an event photographer meaning i'm not trying to throw shade on anybody but it's like he's a camera tester you know what i mean and it's like people were hiring him to do it amazing he shoots cool photos like cool but it's like it's just different between like a studio photographer like Rankin or like, you know, like uh, you can think of Platon in New York, like you can think of Jeff Lipsky in LA, like there's like photographers, you know what I mean? Like they get like literally like Life Magazine to like Wired to like Fast Company, like every cover that you're, that you see is shot by Jill, Jill Greenberg and like these photographers that so many people like every movie poster that you've ever seen is shot by michael muller or jill greenberg and it's like these photographers are making like five million dollars a year but people don't even know they are because why because they, they don't give a and why would they care about instagram you mentioned that movie posters there if we can let me just uh take your advice here and put this in the background and uh where was it i pulled right here 
Mm, yeah, this except is for the Porter. Yeah. Yeah, and again, I started shooting... I've been shooting like co like cover over art cds magazine covers like tell and television posters and television artwork is something that i started shooting i don't know five ten years ago and it's just evolved and the productions have got bigger and bigger and bigger i flew to winnipeg to shoot this this was produced in winnipeg i did all the national artwork meaning all the Can canadian artwork but this show was also produced in conjunction with BET plus, which is an all black 24 hour network in the U S. So this was also on BET plus. So there's whole separate U S artwork, which is still just a redesign of the same photo shoot. So global campaign, you know, good money, like these kinds of things. This is like a $20,000 job. I see something in this though. That's triggering me to ask you about uh, how you work with your subjects in terms of posing, the girl at the end mm. doing this thing. It reminds me of a boudoir yeah, uh, trick, like trading triangles and stuff. Like, do you, I'm you coach them on this? specific with post, but with that particular girl, because she was the dancer of the group, like she was doing like, mm. and again, it's a period piece. It's about the first blacks that worked on the railway that went um, across America. So because it's a period piece it's and it's full racism and all this stuff like it's just this world and this woman works in this brothel and blah, blah and and so she's like that's just her character like the whole point of this is this was such an elite high-end production that each one of and by the way the the woman um adele who's like second from the right um she i photographed her when she was a model when she was 20. And I told her, you could be an actor. You have such a personality. You're amazing. She's like, really? And she followed my advice. And then she followed the path of being an actor. And then she got on a show. And her, that show was CSI. And literally, she sent me a message like, hey, Cardi, I'm on CSI. You were the only one who believed in me. Thank you. And then I met her on set where I got hired to shoot the porter. And when she saw me that I was a photographer, she cried. And she like literally ran up to me and she's like, and she stopped the whole production. She's like, that guy right there, that's the reason that I'm here. That photographer, he told me when I, when I was trying to be a model that I should be an actor. You're going to so make me cry. <laughs> that's um, these kinds of stories. Yeah. I mean, this is my life. And so all of these people, um, all of these people had a role in this series and I shot them all individually and it was put together as a composite. But each one of them were so in their role and they... They never break character while um, they're on set with me. So I don't know. I have a methodology is how I do, how I shoot posters, how I shoot movie posters. Like I immerse myself in the content and, and really, um, I really am able to like generate a look that with creative team, because I worked with like two creative teams in two countries and like des designers in the UK, like this was like 50 people coming together to put this together. So amazing. Up. Uh you talk about you have your way of shooting uh, and and doing with people. I want to talk this photo if you don't mind. Oh uh, yeah, here Yasmin Warsami. She's uh, yeah. the first Somalian supermodel. What I, what I love about this is it reminded me instantly of the photo that it instantly hooked me and got me passionate about photography, which was uh, Steve McCurry's Afghani girl. Yeah, of and course. It, it, it reminded me of that. And can you talk about the importance and or how you establish a connection with your model and you even talked about with your camera, right? A lot of people will shoot out 
you know, because they're so used to the phones versus looking through the viewfinder, mm. not just for stability and tripod. I find when I look through the viewfinder, I get that connection to my subject that I don't get when I'm just looking at the view, uh, the uh, LCD screen on the back. So how, how do you establish to get this kind of a connection with your model? Well, I think that there is nothing else without connection. There's no photography without connection. You're just um, taking photos. I don't take photos. I make photos. So because I'm a portrait photographer, I, I live in the realm of nuance. And um, my nuance is in light. Uh, my nuance is in eye contact. And my nuance is in expression. And, um, and I also, I like to bring you frighteningly close to people. I like to bring you frighteningly close to people. And I don't use zoom lenses. Um, something, uh, zoom lenses make photographers lazy. Zoom lenses were invented, by the way, only like 20, 30 years ago. Photography started with prime lenses, and that's the realm that I live. I, st I shot this with a 100 millimeter macro. So although a 100 millimeter brings her two times closer, I'm still very close with a, quite a long lens aiming in her face. And because she's shot with Albert Watson and like Matthew Rolston and like, like Yasmin has been on the cover of Vogue. And she, <laughs> it's funny because I just was up for a job to shoot her for um, Marie Claire. Uh, and I didn't get it. Someone else got it, but it's all good. But we're still going to shoot again. I've shot Yasmin like five times. And she recommended me to Mary Claire because she said, this is my favorite photographer. I want Steve Kreider to shoot it. Amazing. So um, this connection and the way you can look in her eyes, you can see it's natural light. You can see the window in her eyeballs behind me. And you can also see like, I'm, I'm just very present. I, I only shoot on one axis, which is like, I have a definitive rule book for how I make photographs and people... People have a hard time with this and they want to be all freeform and that stuff, but then they, they have no style. Like mm. for me, I have a style. My style is I have a straight up approach to making photographs that is classic, modern, modest, and iconic. I make photographs today that you will see 20 years from now. I make the process of photography look so easy that I make photographs that you think that you could have taken that picture. That's the kind of photos that I make. So you, you hear before your camera cut off, we were talking about just being able to articulate. You hear the way that I talk about my photography and the way that I can articulate exactly what it is that I do. And when I started that statement, that statement was, I have a straight up approach to making photos that is modest, modern, and iconic. Did you hear, like, do you hear how impactful that statement is? Now, continue to look at my photographs and think if every photograph has a straight up approach that is modest, meaning egoless. I don't show off what I can do with a camera when I shoot photos. 
my photos aren't about my ego. They are 100% about the person that you're looking at. That's it. My photos aren't about me. And that's why my photos are so successful because I removed the ego from my pictures 20 years ago. Beautiful, beautiful. And yes, amazing photos. And uh, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, man. They're, they're great. Uh, obviously. <laughs> I like when I bring, I think when people are speechless, <laughs> but again, TJ, you have to understand I'm doing it to you. You're the host and I'm doing it to you. Like I'm hooking you. You see how I hooked you? And while you were looking through my photos, the words that I was saying to you as you were looking through them, everything that I said was my style is my style. Sure. And it's so defined. This is why I say I have actual rules, rules. I shoot to black, white, or gray. When I'm using artificial light, the light always comes from right side to left. When I use two lights, Butterfly lighting or Rembrandt lighting? The Rembrandt lighting is always coming right to left. If you see Rembrandt lighting in one of my photos and it's opposite, it's because A, natural light forced the Rembrandt to come in the opposite side or space that I was shooting it forced the Rembrandt to come in from the other side. Every I have rules. If you see gel colored light in my photography, it is within the last five years because that's something that I've just started messing with adding colored light into my photographs but every my personal work becomes my professional work i started as a fashion photographer i shot portraits in secret the secret work when i went to the globe and mail and showed them my fashion book they were like here shoot a portrait and i was like okay shot that portrait Sh went in again here's the portrait they gave me another portrait to shoot and i'm like i'm a fashion photographer dude and he's like any hack can take pictures of beautiful people in beautiful situations with beautiful clothes, hair, and makeup. Mm. It takes a real photographer to photograph everybody else. What kind of a photographer are you? Holy shit. So imagine, think of, think of a fashion picture, your favorite fashion picture. It's harder to grasp than... Winston Churchill, cover of Life magazine, Josef Karsh, 1945. It's hard, it, like John Lennon, Yoko Ono, Montreal, mm. Annie Libowitz from the top of the bed shot before one day before Mike, John Lennon was shot. I remember that story, right? yeah. Like these pictures, Whoopi Goldberg in the milk. These pictures that I'm saying, I just say, describe the picture. You can see it exactly, 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 exactly. Like Winston Churchill picture, boom. Think of the um, white background, Christopher Walken, black and white. Hmm. shot by platin that face shot like that is the power of style that's the power of style and that's the power of portraiture so this is why in case you're wondering why i have rules you can look at a photo that i shot when i was 21 and look at my shot of colin firth that i shot when i was like 47 or like something like that and or Colin Firth, I shot when I was like 39. Um, so yeah, I shot this picture when I was 39. So um, if you look at this picture and then look at something from my earliest archives, it's the same photo. <laughs> it's the same photo. And and the thing is, that's not reputation. That's style. And it's 
it's egoless and it's memorable. And when you look at my whole body of work together, you actually see what I'm doing and you're like, oh shit, this guy is like a Jedi. So yeah, because I deliver people in a way like I'm shooting with professional gear, but I give you people in a way that you feel like you know them. You just want to mm -hmm. hug them like you're right there with them because that's the energy that I create in my photo shoots. There's intimacy and also, uh, yeah, light coming in from the right. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, you thought I was joking? <laughs> you thought I was joking? No, Come no, I didn't now. think you You see the black background that. repeat. You'll see all of these things repeat. Those are, those are called um, style rules. And also the composition, how it fully fits a magazine cover, how the mm. double page, it's always when you see a double page, it's always like one side or the other. There's always room for the Like I'm a magazine photographer. So on my shots, like I shoot for what it looks like with print. Like I'm imagining there's going to be print around my photographs. So again, photographers, they shoot for the wrong reasons. Mm. They shoot for themselves and they shoot for their ego and they shoot for external validation that social media gives them. And unfortunately, if they spent just a little bit of time on themselves and then also looking at what's working in the market, not on Instagram, but on Behance and in life, meaning in a magazine, photographers don't buy magazines. Magazines are how we eat. There's advertising mm -hmm. and editorial inside magazines, every single magazine. You can see great ones that are successful that have been around forever, like Vogue, or you can see horrible ones that come and go. But all magazines have a format. There's a format for shooting for them. There's a format for how they lay out the pages. There's a format for everything with a magazine. I made a video literally on, I'm like this, on the, on the cover. And it's called Rules for Being Published. And people don't know there's actually unspoken editorial rules. They don't teach in school. They don't teach anywhere. The only place I've ever heard it talked about is on my channel. Because I know them because I discovered them through my first few years of working for magazines and art directors correcting me. Thank God I had art directors correcting me early. Nowadays, you just don't get the work and then don't know why. It's because you're not shooting in a format, in a crop, in a space that designers can use your pictures and your whole portfolio is made of it. And you don't know because you don't know there's rules. And this is my whole thing on photographers. There's so much that you don't even know what you don't know. And mm -hmm. even just me telling you this secret is why my channel is blowing up because people are finding me and they're learning these things and they're like, holy crap, where's this game been all my life? Spin in Toronto. <laughs> right here. No. Speaking of Queen Street, speaking of Toronto, I'm going to bring this one up because I love it. I know exactly where this is. I know the picture. This is beautiful. I love it. Oh, uh, thank you. I just threw in some street photography because I think it's a really great conversation to, I'm not a street photographer. Like there are incredible street photographers and I'm not one of them. But what street photography is for me is an exercise. Mm. And the thing that photographers don't understand is they have to do exercise. Just like an athlete, does exercise in order to be at their top level, a photographer can also do visual exercise to be at your top level. So street photography, on the fly comp composition, color theory, light, on the fly, existing as it goes. And it's uncontrollable. If you see a subject, you have to break the reality of stopping them and getting them to stay for your photo or 
you're just shooting a hockey game. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Which there's photographers like Alan Schaller that do this eloquently. There's Saul Leader. There's photographers that can do that at the at a National Geographic level. But I'm not one of them. Steve McCurry is one of them. I'm not one of them. So what I do is I put myself outside my comfort zone and I create a challenge for myself every single time I go out. I'm shooting with one lens. So I have a series on my channel called Lens Diaries where I started with my widest lens, which is a 16 millimeter. So it's called 16 millimeter lens diaries. So exact wrong lens to do street photography. Let's go do it and just see like that five. Then next lens, 50 millimeter. 50 millimeter is my wheelhouse, my favorite lens. That's the video that performed Damn. the most, the best. 50 millimeter lens diaries, you know? And it's it's like beyond normal is was that lens. That, and then 85 is the next lens diaries that I've done. So it's me now walking around with my 85. So it's like, and then I'll continue and I'll do my 100, my 135, and I'm buying a 200 millimeter prime. I do have a 70 to 200. You'll see it sits over here on my shelf. It never lives in my camera bag. I use it once a year. I'm going to try to give it to my brother as soon as I go to Vancouver to see him. I'm going to give him that lens because I have an 85. I have a 135 and I have, I'll soon have a 200 28. So that's going to be my option because 200 28 bokeh is better than a 70 to 210. Photographers are lazy. They would rather just bring one lens and they want that lens to have multiple options mm. because they'd rather do this than move their feet. And what happens is you're jumping around between vocal lengths on an exercise. And when you're doing that, now you're not able, like you're trying to re remove, remove, like you're trying to add restrictions. Like Mad Men era, imagine there's nothing mm. more artful than a perfect tight brief. I need a photograph of this iPad from three angles, photograph of this iPad on three angles on black because I've gave you a tight, specific brief. Now, how you light it, what wonder, like how you suspend it, all that stuff. Now that's your creativity that you can take that brief, that tight brief and go crazy with it. But you know the limitations. You know you can't shoot it on location. You know you can't deliver a shot on white. You know you can't shoot a Galaxy tablet because the request was a freaking iPad. You know, because you know the brief. Every project you do as a photographer, you get a specifically tight brief. Guess what emerging photographers don't do? That they themselves, <laughs> specifically tight briefs to go practice. So then guess what happens? Photographer, art director says, hey, I need you to go here. I need you to shoot this. I need you to shoot this in this way. And I need you to do it. And they're all like, because ah, they've never dealt with anyone giving them constraints. Constraints is where Nike has built a multi-jillion dollar campaign on three words. Just do it. Guess what? That's the brief. Just do it. Make it within that. And now that one sentence becomes a, a campaign that is a household name. Do you know what I mean? That's a tight brief. So photographers don't create tight briefs for themselves. The whole industry runs on, this is actually such good fodder right here that I'm actually going to make a video about this because it's so good. Photographers don't work creatively under the restraints of the tight brief 
and therefore they're not prepared for the tight briefs of assignment and advertising photography, which is where the money is. They're mm. only qualified to shoot another individual. So they shoot weddings, moms, babies, parties, nightlife. Because they don't know how to shoot under a brief. They know how to go to something and point their camera and take photos. They can't make a photo. They can just take a photo. Mm. Which that's a why, key difference. Um, that's a good difference. That's why, again, dude, the take photo, make photo tag, that I've been using that tag for 20 years in my education. And this is why the photographers that I've, that have been through my program, it's why their photographs look like they all shoot for Vogue. It's because mm. they make photos. They have ideas and they execute them. And any photo, like after like a year with me, two years with me, three years, like any, any, literally, you just think of an idea and you can see the picture. Like I, I'm at this point with my photography. If I just see someone on the street with a camera, I know exactly what the photos are going to look like. Exactly. I, as I see what lens they have, I know exactly what it's going to look like. And I can actually tell how they're holding their cat. Like I just, and literally I can look at any studio set and, and know exactly what the photo is going to look like. Like, You're seeing the matrix. At, <laughs> I can look at any photo and say exactly how it was lit, where the light is, what modifier it is, what the distance is, like what the reflector looks like, if there's anything. Like I can, any image I see, I can completely map out what's behind the scenes. And and literally that, it is like looking at the matrix. And that that gift when I do photo reviews and people are like, dude, how did you know that I'd have, I'm like, dude, just... Just listen to what I'm saying. Don't don't ask that part because that's that's just experience and mm. session over time. I'm obsessed. So how things work is I'm obsessed about how things work. Not necessarily how the camera works because I learned that when I was 14, but more about how the business of photography works, how people's mindset works, how they react when they see certain things, how if you remove all of the elements out of your photo and just leave the... Notice there's no elements in my photos. It's just the subject. Like, you know why? Because the other element is the text that comes into the photo. And when there's no other element, it forces you to make eye contact with the subject. And that mm. eye contact is what, like, it's why eye contact is so important in my photos. Look at my photos and look at the eye contact and look at the sharpness, like the tack sharpness of the eyes. And you'll be like, damn, Cardi, damn. <laughs> It's because it, I, I, I put your eye right where I want you to look and I compose it in such a way that brings you through the frame. Sharp eye, lots of room for text. Yeah. Beautiful. It's methodical. I'm, I'm super methodical with my photographs. And again, it's just why people pay. That's why people, it's why I charge $5,000 a day plus expenses to shoot photos plus usage. And I get it. And it's, and, and people are happy to pay because I'm fast and I'm friendly. And it's like, I'm so thorough and I care, I care even more than the client cares and the client cares a lot. And if I care even more than they care, then I'm able to provide a value and a craft that they're like, like in, I've had people like clients in, and in this client that just brought me back to pay me 50 grand who paid me like a third of that last year is like, there's no, no one else can do this like Cardi. He's just the guy. And, and they're, they're, they're evangelists now and they won't. And even the ad agency that hired me is like the ad agency is like, dude, 
this is now I'm two for two. I hit two grand slams. This one bigger than the last one. This one with video. This one made meeting editing deadlines and all this other stuff and helping them and giving them ideas and all this stuff. It's like this game is way more than just photography, man. It's way more than just photography. People think it's fucking clicking shutters, dude. This is, again, it's that. The photography side of it is this much. But this part of it, when you're actually on, when you actually, like, it's like, think about Lenny Kravitz. Like, most of his life is fucking blah, blah, blah. But when he's on, he's on stage. Like, that time for that performance, do you think that day he's going to be like, oh my God, I can't play. I'm in Des Moines. It's like, no, dude, because he's, he has a system. He's dialed. He's Lenny Kravitz. He just has to do him, right? Like, when you get to that level of photography, like, you, I just get to do me. Like, I do a huge production and it's like, you know, a massive like $15,000 shooter, a $10,000 shooter, a $30,000 shooter, whatever these invoices are. Like, I'm like sunglasses, coffee, like just chilling, listening to my iPad and like my assistants, Cardi Crew t-shirt and they're lifting gear and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, they're stressing and I'm managing them because my, my assistants get so nervous on these sessions that I do, like, have an assistant to be able to handle themselves when you're shooting celebrities is a thing. Like, I mm. need to have someone who can handle themselves, like, if I'm next to Pharrell or next to, like, whatever, you know? But also being able to handle the stakes because there's so much money at stake. And, like, I'm, I'm like a laser as, a, as like, a team leader. And I, I watch everything. I watch what production is doing, what makeup's doing, what the models are doing, what the clients are doing. Like I'm, and it, it's, there's so much more than just photography. And I train my assistants for the things that they have to manage. And then like I hire an assistant for my assistant. So he has someone to ask things or, or help with shit. So I don't, I can just deal with like um, having a spliff, talking to my clients. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> Um, yeah. And again, it's, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm 100% myself and it's taken a long time for me to get to that place where I can be 100% myself and be a, be at a place where I'm okay. If someone doesn't like me, I'm okay. And I don't expect I, like when you, when you lean in as hard as I do, it, not a lot of people, like some people are going to like you, but some people won't because I'm too real. And they haven't got to that place in their life where they're ready to be as real as I am, you know? So it, it's, I'm not for everybody, but um, for the ones that I'm for, I definitely um, give people who listen to me my 100% everything. Like I love people and um, people who believe in me, um, I, I go beyond with everybody in my realm. So yeah, good friends and good family and, you know, being a good podcast guest and all that stuff just makes your world um, a better place. Well, Steve Cardi, I like you. You're definitely for me and you're definitely for my audience. And I really appreciate the time you took to give us all this gold today. Of and, course, uh, man. You're very welcome. TJ, honestly, I wanted to do this for a while. I know that we had, by the way, for your viewers, we did have like this was in process, but it just got insane for me. And I ended up getting that big gig in August, which just was the month of august and september although it's four days work it was really oh, yeah. two months work like you know <laughs> so know that um 
I I really do appreciate being a guest. Know that I'll say again to you, TJ, I'm at your service. If you need me for anything, if you need any help with your channel, if you need help with photography, if you need help with anything, strategy or anything like that, I'm I'm always a good ear to to bounce things off of. I have an active Discord community with over 600 people who are trying to be emerging pro photographers that are all bouncing ideas and that's how people share photos so I can review them live on my channel. So that's a big thing is like having community and um, yeah, it's, it, I'm just, I would love to help this channel get out to more people. Um, Canadians are great people and Canadians are so gentle and so kind and TJ, you've always approached this and me with such respect and such kindness. It's made it like even if you're a creator on the rise where you don't have the audience that you will have yet, still your discipline, how, how you're staying the course. And like, even when you're in that like valley of doom, you know that you're doing something good. You know that you're doing something good because you're trying to bring photographers that you might not know of to an audience and, and ask them the questions that you think a photographer would want to know because you're doing that. That's God's work. Again, anytime you're not getting the views that you think that you could get, I mean, yes, there are some things that I could help you with to shift that, but know that the more you embrace 100%, just being you, just being you and making the content that you want to make, yeah, this this um, exposure therapy is going to blow up because also it is exposure therapy and it's not just the exposure, it's the therapy. And this is just a little rewind back to your content and back to your structure and how you structure these episodes. And you can choose whether or not you choose to keep this in the episode or not, but making it about the therapy and like how photography heals you mm -hmm. that in itself now is a hundred thousand dollar channel that's a hundred thousand subscriber channel because photography helps with ptsd photography helps with depression anxiety photography helps with and so many photographers who can't be pros or don't have a desire to be pro use photography for therapy and if you could curb your content to be therapeutic like this particular episode was today in a way that I didn't just bring you the photography that was like hard hitting and with purpose and all kinds of insights that I said about that. There was all kinds of all other, not necessarily self-help, but mindset shift things that I mm. talked about throughout the whole episode. And if people are, you know, have the attention span to stay with it and, and watch through, they're going to get the value. But you have to understand, like, not everyone has the attention span, um, which is okay. The people who do, they're going to gravitate towards you. For the people who are watching, if you're trying to be a pro, um, tune into my podcast. I do it three days a week, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sunday. Subscribe to my channel. It's just my name, at Steve Cardi on YouTube. I'm easy to find. I have an active Discord community. You can find my Discord links in my About page. And also, I'm about to build out this full-on pro photographers-like masterclass that it, 
it's 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 not i'm just i'm building a system where it's not just a course or a master class it's the accountability side with it that people miss because like if you buy a course no one checks to see if you do it no one gives a shit if you do it. it's just they got the money buy my that's where like i'm different about that from the point which is why i live stream it's the accountability because photographers need the accountability so mm. i'm building this accountability thing into my master class where you can't like if you don't do the assignments it's gonna feel like school where you're showing up to school that day and you haven't done that thing that you promised yourself because you make self promises that has nothing to do with me you promised yourself that you were going to do this thing that was going to elevate your business before the next time we did this master class and now if you didn't do it guess what i'm spending time going around the room talking to everybody who did it and you're going to be like I didn't do it. You know, like that's just a trial. That's just part and parcel to why people don't progress is because nobody is kicking their ass. People pay for school. They pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for, for school, which is education that they could learn on their own for free. Why? Because of the accountability. Yes or yes? Yes, so, sir. And, and, and because of the, the like piece of paper that you get at the end, yeah. by the way, it's a photographer. I'm a dropout. Look how successful I am. I left photography school, was invited back to lecture. So don't let school interfere with your education and your photography education is everywhere. It's just, I'm going to amalgamate it in one place. And it's like information from a validated credited source that you can go check up on me on your own. And you decide whether you want to be a part of my shit with has all of this track records of past photographers that are completely now still working, go look, they're working photographers. You can call any one of them and they'd say, hey, should Cardi, Cardi a good mentor? And they'll be like, dude, I have a career because of that guy. So that's what I'm building out. And um, if you want to be a part of it, make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel. That's super easy to do. I am just Mr. At Steve Cardi on YouTube. I'm easy to find. Awesome. All right, sir. Well... Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, well, well, I'll certainly be in touch with you. Uh, happy to. For sure, TJ. I'd love really to have you as part of, uh, I'd love to have you as part of the community. I think you also should join the discord. I think you should also see what some of my viewers are doing. I have viewers at a level that you're like, I can't even believe this photographer's not working. Like it's like that. So it, it, it's it's good to be a part of that community. I don't know where you're at with your professional career. Um, we haven't talked much about that. And you do make these shows very much about your guests and not as much about you. But I have seen your website and your website grabbed me, which is why I said, hey, I'd like to be on your show. You know, so there's things there, TJ, even in the market that you are in, like I... If people aren't making a hundred thousand dollars a year with their camera, I get, I get like, you see how my neck is cricked like this, bro. <laughs> it's a fuck. I, I'm skewed right now. Cause like, I get like that when, when people don't see things like, and, and I have such a picture of it and, and I have like overview on people's careers and it's like, oh my God, dude, this, 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 try it. I literally, a girl took my mentorship program. This is the last story I'm going to take. You just signed up in 10 minutes. I mapped out her entire business plan she, and, and she, she booked me for two hours. I ended it after an hour and I'm like, and, and literally was like, save that hour for after you do this. 
and gave her a complete plan to go try. She went and tried it. She sent me like a three-page email. She's like, Carter, you just changed my life. Like literally in the first 10 minutes of our, of our mentorship program, you just changed my life and built out my whole career. So I'm like, well, yeah, it's because <laughs> it's because I'm able to one-on-one you. I'm one-on-one in you. I can't one-on-one you on YouTube. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, anyways, that's it. That's me. If you guys have spent any kind of a time with me today and you've enjoyed it, I appreciate you. Thank you for having me on this podcast, TJ. Honestly, you're a great host. And um, I'm a pill of a guest, but you see the uncontained personality that is the artist. You see this extrovertedness. I'll say again, this is all learned behavior. I am the shyest guy. After this ends, I'm going to like literally take my jacket off, take this shirt off. I'm in track pants below here that you can't see. I'm going to go hang out on my couch and I'm going to watch YouTube. And I'm going to be on my notebook and I'm going to be going back into building up my masterclass. So um, thank you for having me on. I'm long-winded, but um, it's good content. I hope you feel so as well. I do. Thank you so much. A lot of value here. And uh, as I go through and edit this episode, I know I'm going to get a lot more gold too. Amazing. uh, Yeah. Really looking forward to putting this one out and uh, looking forward to getting in touch with your Discord community, et cetera, et cetera. chat with you further please please become a part of the crew man like we need we need growth we need more and you also like you can steal so many of the things that i'm doing tj like i will literally like map it out for you i'll tell give you i'll tell you all the tools that like i will map it out for you like telling you 2023 success year as far like i can map out how to monetize your channel i can map out all of it and it's like I'm now like finally monetized. I monetized in August and now like, like payments are coming in and it's like, it's going like this. And I'm like, dude, oh my God, like what's happening? Like the amount of, <laughs> it's not passive income because I'm for sure working for it. I put so much effort into YouTube to get it to this place, but this was my goal and I, to, to help 10,000 photographers. And and I hit 10,000 photographers. Like once I set the goal, I hit 10,000 in, in three months. Hmm. So it's like bigger goals. <laughs> Thanks for having bigger me. Bigger goals, man. bigger future. Bigger Thanks goals. for coming on. Appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for having me. We'll see you again, TJ. Talk Have a great day, everybody. You as well.